When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today on Barza Talk, Coutinho is still out and Paco is gone for good. Fans everywhere are looking for ways to watch a movie. Barca B are struggling while the Barca women are on a streak. And Dembele saved FC Barcelona's first team from a loss in Madrid. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York. And joining me, as always, from Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Yes, and the fellow Kool-Aids, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. For those of you who aren't in the United States, Thanksgiving is a holiday that we have here on the fourth Thursday of every November, where we eat much food. Yes, and and also give thanks, right? That's the other important thing. Yeah, ideally. (laughs) Did you know that Abraham Lincoln instituted Thanksgiving as a holiday? No, I did not know that. Trivia. Oh, thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so how was it? Did you host? You said you hosted, we hosted it. Yeah, we had, we only had two friends over. We've had bigger uh, gatherings, but every year I've lived in Buffalo, I've hosted Thanksgiving because usually I go back to California for Christmas. And so it's just, it's just too much to go back to California for both and see my parents and all of them, my family. So we just host it here and have kind of a Friendsgiving situation. And, uh, this year we only had uh, two friends over, which was Great. Uh, and we had a 13-pound a turkey, but our two friends who came over were are both vegetarians. And Megan generally is eating vegetarian now, but since we got this turkey from a local farm and it was humanely raised, she was okay with eating it. And uh, I'm glad she did because – and she cooked it too. And she did an amazing job. It's It's still juicy. Even the leftovers are still juicy. And it's just so delicious. Uh, so that was great. We had amazing stuffing, and I made my first apple pie. I made uh, pie, my homemade pie crust for the first time, which came out great. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a good holiday. I introduced my friends to the legend of Old Greg, the uh, <laughs> best best episode ever of the Mighty Boosh. <laughs> I take it you are familiar, <laughs> Brian. I, I swear to God, sometimes you know, like. You, you you fucking amaze me. Dude. Like, I, I'm like, what? Like, you don't think I watch the Mighty Boosh? No, but like, how does this even work? Because this is a very like niche type of thing, you know. And oh my god, I freaking love that sketch so much. I'm into some pretty niche things. <laughs> I know, but the fact that you brought it up and I was able, to, you know, to know this is like one of those things, you know. So maybe we truly are just brothers, you know. Maybe. Like that, so. Um, oh my gosh. I love Bailey's, you know, so. uh, creamy, creamy beige. 
So what did you do for your uh, Thursday? <laughs> yeah, so so Thursday I just went to dinner with two of my friends, and it was quite lovely. Went to a Basque restaurant in our neighborhood. Oh, nice. Had, had some nice chuleton, which is like just steak. And then on yesterday I went to my uh, American friend's house, Whitney, where she cooked a traditional Thanksgiving meal, which was pretty on point. Uh, we had the traditional stuffed turkey, stuffy mashed potatoes. Did she and have an so oven really big good. enough for that? Oh, yeah, she does. She lives in a proper house. Oh, like in a, <laughs> in a via? Yeah, well, on the outside of Madrid where it's more suburbs. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So she it was about 15 of us too. So it was quite a, quite a good number of us. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it came out really good and um, definitely only ate once yesterday because I ate so much food. So that I'm still working on the uh, – the meal from last night, basically. I haven't eaten yet. So after this, I'll eat. Cool. <laughs> I have some news for you. Tell me more. Megan and I have officially purchased our plane tickets to Barcelona in April 2019. Wow. We're getting, that is awesome. Yeah, we're getting in. We're risking it a little bit because we're getting into the Barcelona airport at like 11 a.m. on Saturday. And, okay. and we don't know when the game is going to be yet. It might be on Saturday. And I told yeah. her, like, well, if it is on Saturday, the earliest it'll be is, like, 4.15. So we could yeah. still do it. So we're it's a little risky, but that this is what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the good thing is you're coming from the East Coast, so it's not that big of a, a flight, you know? It's, you know, yeah. it's coming over the pond. But Well, check it um, out. We're going to Reykjavik and then from Reykjavik to Barcelona. Oh, perfect. Like perfect. you do. <laughs> see the northern lights come down to barcelona yeah. <laughs> um yeah, like you the said, earth yeah, yeah yeah exactly uh like you said the game could be at four most likely it's going to be 845 just like it was last night here it's just too big of a match especially at the end of the season the teams are still neck and neck for the la liga season yeah so hopefully it's it's in the at night at least and then that'll give us some time to get from the airport to our wherever we're staying, which we still haven't booked yet, but we do have plane tickets. So we will be there. Perfect. Let the countdown begin, right? We're like 130 days away or something like this. So yeah, only 130 days away, but (laughs) please join us. Yes. Go to barsatalk.net and you can uh, find a link to this awesome travel package that you can get there. Now in actual news, well, FC Barcelona news, because that's, that's big news for us here on the show but as far as fc barcelona news goes uh looks like coutinho is still out he trained this week ahead of the atletico game but uh valverde left him off the squad obviously um he wasn't finding him quite fit so apparently he's still recovering from a torn muscle but at least he's training and we might even see him against psv on wednesday i would i would hold him out a little bit longer just to make sure you know because hamstrings are the worst because you just never know how strong it is because, you know, when you're walking, it feels perfectly fine. But until you actually sprint you and know how much you can push it, then that's when you really know. Uh, there's always a lot of flare-ups with hamstring pulls and so forth. And so I would, you know, definitely want to be on the more cautious side, especially since we have such a long season. He's so important to our lineup. So if anything, if he's completely 100%, then, yeah, put him in the PSV, maybe come in as a sub. Like, I, I'm always a proponent of that. If you come up from injury, come in as a sub and then get some minutes that way and then kind of get uh, slowly put into the team. But to jump in as a starter, kind of iffy on that because the last thing we want to see is just how that flare up, especially uh, from last night's game. We had some more injuries as well. Yeah. Now, do you think that it's uh, an issue of there not being enough string or not enough ham? 
<laughs> At first, I thought you were going to ask me a serious question. <laughs> no. I know. <laughs> I'm not serious. <laughs> definitely ham. Too much ham. Too much ham. Well, we definitely saw too much ham in, in uh, Luis Suarez's foot last night. But yeah. uh, in other news, uh, you're you're not going to like this. I'm sure you already know, though. Uh, Borussia Dortmund has officially bought the contract for Paco Alcacer from Barcelona on a permanent basis. Uh, so far, the German club have paid 23 million euro in the deal overall, and a series of add-ons could see that total rise to 30 million euro. But of course, we saw this coming. Still, we're disappointed about it. I know you're especially disappointed about it. Well, I'm not that disappointed about it. I'm just, you know, I just wish he was on our team to create more depth, right? And as we can see, just by more playing time and opportunities, he's taken that, you know, and I'm I like that in a player, you know, he didn't see any playing time in the last two seasons with Barcelona and now just getting some more playing time. You can see he has nine goals in the Bundesliga. And for me, I like watching this team because of their attacking style, but also because uh, Christian Pulisic, the American is on that team. And so Dortmund is riding high right now. They're the leaders in the Bundesliga. They have a good formidable attacking lineup. And then they bring Paco in for as a sub and he's been, been able to deliver. So again, nine goals this season. It just would have been nice if Valverde could have used it him better uh, to give Suarez more of a break and then we wouldn't lose uh, maybe a goal output like that. So yeah, I'm proud of Paco just because he was able to take his opportunity. And now you can see the output that he's doing. You know, I'm not saying if he would have been at Barcelona, he would have scored nine goals, but maybe he could have scored us two or three just to give Suarez a little bit of break and just kind of have that rotation, as we said, because there's so many matches that Barcelona plays. So good on Paco for taking that opportunity. And we'll see how he does for the rest of his career at Dortmund for the next four years. Yeah. And, you know, it, it makes me wonder. I almost feel like Munir has seen more minutes this season than Paco had at this point last season. I might just be imagining it. I haven't, you know, I haven't done the math because I hate math. But uh, I, it seems like Munir has gotten more minutes. And had Paco gotten those minutes instead, I just can't help but feel like we would have gotten more goals instead of just, you know, the one that Messi scored off of Munir's foot. <laughs> the old mini golf play, right? Right. Off the, off, the, off the foot. No, you have a good point because it does seem like uh, Munir has been getting more minutes. Again, we have so many matches. I just feel that last year with Valverde, like knowing how many matches, how many minutes are available, why doesn't he just give more opportunities like that? Because if you do that, everyone is, you know, interested in trying to help the team when they're called upon. And depending on injuries, you know, this always happens every year. We have so many games, and I just don't understand why he just couldn't incorporate Paco or even Munir to that point to give more time because Suarez is important. And he does need rest. We can see, you know, what he did when Messi's absence. He was able to carry the team with the, with the scoring and so forth. So preserve it and give Munir the opportunity so you can transition in the future, maybe. Yeah. Now, our final news item. Last Thursday was the fourth anniversary of Messi breaking Telmosada's record as La Liga's all-time top scorer. And Ronaldo has also, at this point, broken Sada's record in La Liga. But now that he's out of the league, Messi just keeps pulling ahead. He broke out his record of 251 goals with a hat trick against Sevilla in 2014. And this has been celebrated by both the club and La Liga in social media channels. And he's currently at 392 goals in La Liga, the most of all time by 81 goals over CR7. So far this year, he has nine goals in La Liga, which is level with Luis Suarez. And as it turns out, Paco Alcacer in, 
in the uh, Bundesliga. I mean, this is an incredible output of goals because, you know, back in the day, Brian, when I used to follow like the English Premier League, I used to kind of follow Arsenal back in the day. You know, having a 15 to 20 goal season was considered world class. You know, this type of still is really. I mean, exactly. Right. And we've just been so spoiled by Messi and obviously the other guy uh, (laughs) with their output. It's an incredible standard, you know, but we're going to look back and see, you know, this is so hard to do. I mean, you saw last year what Mo Salah was able to do. He was able to kind of be neck and neck with Messi and the other guy. And, uh, you know, you can see this season, he hasn't had that kind of output. I mean, it's all depending on chances, luck. It's a lot of things that go into it, right? Um, opportunity. And you can see just by one year off, Salah hasn't had the same year. So it's very difficult to duplicate. And the ability that Messi and the other guy have been able to do for the last 10 years with the goal output has just been incredible. Yeah, and you remember that one year when Messi scored something like 50 goals? Exactly. That was insane. I mean, last year he scored 34, which is still incredible. It is. 34, 37, something like that. Yeah, and you can see, you know, obviously with the amount of minutes, games that Messi has, but the way his, you know, conversion rate is so high on -on one-on-ones and opportunities, it's incredible. So we've definitely been spoiled. I mean, he's obviously the best player for me of all time, and Every time when I still watch YouTube videos and just like we saw, I saw the movie, take the ball, pass the ball. And you see those highlights and those moments. It's incredible what he's done through his career. And, you know, he's probably going to come close to 500 goals at the end of his career. It's oh. crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Well, also that, that number, that 392 number, that's just in La Liga. So that's not that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that's not what... counting the other ones. Champions League, Copa del Rey. International. I mean, he, at, at the at the end of his career, he's going to be the best La Liga player of all time. They're going to name a trophy after him. They're going to have all these other things after him, yeah. and he will get to the 500 mark. I mean, it's not that you know, it's not that far fetched. What if they Liga. renamed the Pichichi the Messi? I like it. <laughs> I mean, that would be a huge shakeup because you know it would be a huge shakeup. You know, you you kind of want to leave it. It's kind of like yeah, there there have actually been better pitchers than uh, um, Cy Young. Cy Young at this yeah, point. Yeah. But they still call it the Cy Young Award because yeah. it's you know it's historical. So I actually I'm not sure if I would advocate for that. But you know there would be a case for it. Yeah, there would be a case. Be a case and also make. maybe just yeah maybe come up with a new award for it. You know right. maybe like the new MVP award or something like that. But again, after his career is going to be done, he's going to be considered the best player in La Liga history. Oh, easily. Yeah. Actually, I think they should create the award named after Messi. That's essentially completely unattainable, and no one ever wins it. there you go but they talk about it every year like uh again this year nobody won it (laughs) yeah exactly exactly good clue (laughs) we'll take a short break and when we return we'll talk about the new barcelona documentary barca b and barca women We're back for more Barca talk. Now, you mentioned uh, take the ball, pass the ball. So we and Barcelona fans everywhere have all been talking about this new documentary about the four years that Pep Guardiola managed the team. And the thing is, it's only been officially released in Spain, the UK and the Netherlands. And it's left the rest of us looking for ways to watch it. I got a link from one of our listeners, but that link is no good now. And so I still haven't seen it because I didn't use it. I could have seen the movie had I used that quicker. But you've actually seen the movie at this point, right? Yeah, I did. I saw from one of the links as well that we got from one of our listeners. And and it was pretty good. You know, it was very entertaining. Um, As I spoke in the Patreon bonus episode on Thursday, uh, it was very – it brought back a lot of great memories because that 
uh, you know, those four years were just amazing. And I kind of came away with two things from it. One of them, I still can't believe we lost to Inter Milan in 2010, <laughs> the Champions League. That still kind of haunts, uh, you know, that kind of, I, I just think we could have had three Champions League in that, in that era, which would have just really marked it as a, a even better error than it already was. And also I would have liked to see more pep interview because they only put some segment at the end of the movie. And also just to maybe do more tactical analysis of some of the matches, because that's the thing I'm the most interested with pep because, you know, everyone knows that he wasn't the, maybe not the greatest communicator with some of the players, especially like Samuel Eto'o. If you watch any of his quotes and so forth, he had a different experience than maybe Messi or Henri or any of those other players that pep liked. But also I just wanted to see more of a deep dive of maybe more tactical analysis of the big matches, but it, Overall, it was a really great movie. Uh, it flowed. It was good. And it went backwards. So it went from 2012 backwards. And it was really cool to see all the you know, the great moments. And you know, it was just amazing. Well, you know, I'll tell you, if you want to talk about tactical analysis of specific games, I, I still haven't read it because I, I haven't gotten a copy, my copy yet. But uh, going back to the interview we did a few weeks ago with Jonathan Wilson, who just had th- this new book come out in the, in the States. It's already out in the UK uh, called The Barcelona Legacy or the Barcelona inheritance, depending upon where you buy it. Uh, I imagine he gets into some pretty good tactical analysis. And they they did also produce a podcast to support the book. It's six episodes. Each one is about a specific game, most of them under Pep, Pep games. And they really get into it. So um, for you, and I'm, I know that you've already listened to that podcast, but for anyone else who's interested in more in-depth tactical analysis like Gabriel is, you should definitely check out that podcast and and probably that book. And it, yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer. You know, documentaries are they're, they're, you're usually not going to get a lot of technical analysis in a documentary. I mean, the other thing too is just you know, as we've been getting comments from viewers or from our listeners and stuff about this movie, you know, this was a really bad opportunity missed by the the people that made the film because, like we talked about, is if they would have put this on YouTube and just had people pay within one or five dollars and made it worldwide available, I think it would have been a no brainer. You know, there's only 500,000 plus Kool-Aids in the world, you know, so I don't, (laughs) you know, and the ability, you know, everyone wants to watch it. That's the thing. Everyone wants to watch it. Maybe it's part of their demand of this, but you know, everyone is circulating bad links and so forth. So it's really difficult to see the the movie. And again, you know, how long, you know, we all want to watch it just to kind of be nostalgic about that time. And it was really well done. And, I highly recommend it, but it would have been amazing just to have the availability like on YouTube Plus, for example. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it shouldn't be hard for you because it has actually been released in Spain. But for us here in the U.S., they don't even have a U.S. release date scheduled at this point. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? Just the idea that it's kind of in partnership with FC Barcelona, that they got all the permission because they know it's an English-speaking documentary to help even promote the brand and not include the U.S. market, which is what, maybe the only biggest market in the world? Right. So, (laughs) I mean, it's like marketing 101, so... Well, I I don't know about the numbers in Asia, but, but hasn't been released in Asia either, you know? That's that's the point. It's just missed opportunities, right? And again, just putting it on a platform, Amazon Prime or Netflix or something where everyone can get it is just a missed opportunity to get your money back from the movie and also just expand the, the audience. Again, FC Barcelona's one of their mantras is to expand to the U.S. And this is a great way, right? Because everyone that we've been getting comments from is from the States, most of them, and they can't watch it. And so... You know, by these illegal downloads, they're missing out on money where they can get it back. Yeah, because most of us would be more than happy to pay 
two ninety nine or three ninety nine just to rent it, and maybe even more to just to buy it through Amazon Prime or whatever. Exactly. So I mean, like, how much would Netflix give them for it? Probably a, a good amount, I would think. Yeah, yeah, and like I said on YouTube, you can just pay. It's a pay per view type of thing that you could do. That's super easy. Yeah. But again, you know, I I hope you get to see it soon because it uh, it it will bring back. You'll probably cry because of the Javi stuff. I mean, the Javi stuff is there's like a say there's like they basically break it down to chapters. Basically, like I think it's five or six chapters, and one of them is just about Javi, and it's it's amazing. Uh, it's really good stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. totally gonna cry over that. <laughs> In Segunda B action, we have Max Bluer now to bring you up to date with Barca B. Plenty of games have happened since our last chat. With Barca Bay having drawn 1-1 at home to Club Deportivo Ebro, been eliminated from the Copa Catalunya by Sant Andreu, lost away to Teruel, and beaten Cornea 2-1 at the Mini Estadio last weekend, while just before recording this, the boys drew 0-0 away to Atletico Levante. So as you can see, only one win to celebrate recently, the victory over Cornea being the only one in seven matches. And there was one man in particular who Coach Garcia Pilmiento will be thanking for getting the team back on track. Carles Alenia has played in four of the team's five victories this season. While of their 20 points, 15 were won in games in which the Barcelona-born midfielder participated. He's the team's second top scorer, with three strikes from midfield, and is clearly the man around whom the play revolves. As Mundo Deportivo puts it, Barca B have a case of Elena Dependencia. All of which would be great if Elena were a Barca B player. But come January, there's a distinct possibility he'll be a fully-fledged member of the first team. Talks are scheduled for December between the player and the club when they will decide whether he'll sign a first-team contract and thus be ineligible to play for Barca Bay anymore. Eleni has been in the last four of Valverde's matchday squads, coming on in two games, and he seems to be earning himself a place in the first-team plans. Meanwhile, several of his competitors for a place in the midfield three do not look sure of their places in the squad. Lafinha picked up a long-term injury against Atletico. Dennis Suarez seems to have been invited to leave the club in January, while there have been murmurings recently that the club do not feel Coutinho has lived up to his €140 million Euro price tag. Meanwhile, Dembélé and Malcolm, who aren't midfielders but nevertheless sometimes take Alenia's place in the eleven, have had their problems this year. Malcolm has been ineffective on the pitch, and Dembélé? Well, none of us need reminding of the disciplinary issues he has had in recent months. It looks more and more like Alenia is playing his final games for the Barcelona B. The obvious candidate to step into his role is Ricky Puig. The boy we've been raving about since pre-season, when he lit up the tour to the States, has to step into the shoes of Alenia and run games from midfield. Yet despite the sombreros and the neat tricks and flicks that look wonderful on a highlights reel, who all too often finds himself unable to impose himself on games and dominate the midfield. Of course, he is only 19 and barely has three months of senior football under his belt. He will undoubtedly learn how to bend games to his will. But for now, Ricky needs to grow into his role as the focal point of Barca Bay's midfield. The talk of promoting him to the first team needs to be nipped in the bud. As does, for very different reasons, talk of Ricky going to Spurs. The British rag the sun has gotten itself all excited by Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino attending the Cornea game particularly as the London club had allegedly been in the hunt for Ricky back in the summer, before he signed a new contract. But let's not get too worried about this. For one thing, Ricky has not shown the slightest inclination of leaving Barca. The only reason he could have for doing so would be first-team football. But that would make little sense if he were to go to Spurs, as he would have almost as many central midfielders ahead of him in the pecking order at White Hart Lane as he does at the Camp Nou. Moreover, Pochettino was in town anyway for a conference and to catch up with some old mates from back when he lived in Barcelona as an Espanol player. And during an international break, with no La Liga on, why wouldn't he stop by to see the latest batch emerge from La Masia? It's a big jump from keeping an eye on Puig and others to actually trying to sign him. So although he rightly seems a long way from the first team spot at the moment, we can sleep soundly that Ricky Puig is unlikely to be abandoning Nassau Grana anytime soon. One guy who we might be seeing in the first team in the not too distant future though, is Musa Wage. Sergio Roberto's hamstring injury has left Valverde with a frankly rubbish Nelson Semedo as his only fit right back. 
Wagga has performed excellently since breaking into the side after sorting out his visa issues last month, particularly in the recent game against Cornea, in which, according to Mundo Deportivo, he was the Asongorana's principal threat in attack. Not too shabby for a right-back. It wasn't Wagga, though, who was the match winner against Cornea. Winger Carlos Perez was the man who opened the scoring with a header from a corner, before setting up the second goal for Abadouris midway through the second half, with an excellent wing play to beat his man and put it on a plate for the young striker. But it was back to the same old for this weekend's game, a nil-nil draw against a stubborn Atletico Levante side, they take after their first team in that respect, was back to the bad old days of two weeks ago. Tons of possession, but zero penetration. Balou and Perez were subdued on the wings, Abadouris had little service up front, and Ricky was again unable to control the game as he would have liked. His midfield teammate, Alex Coelho, did make a couple of penetrative runs through the middle of the park, but overall the boys just lacked the spark and invention necessary to break down teams like this. The game ended in a horrible fashion too, with our centre-back Ronald Araujo knocked unconscious after an unfortunate collision with the opposition goalkeeper. He left the ground unconscious in an ambulance, but the club has since then released a statement saying that he has regained consciousness and will return to Barcelona once the hospital gives him the all-clear. At least next week, the boys return to the home comfort of the Mini Estadi with their clash against Valencia B. Although the dynamic doesn't look too good right now, a win would lead them with seven points from their last nine, and probably a spot in the playoff places. That was Max Bluer. Barca B will play again next Saturday against Valencia's second team. Now turning to the women in the Liga Iberdrola, they won the last two matches, including beating Atletico Madrid 2-1. Aitana Bonmati and Tony Dugan scored the goals. Then in the middle of last week, the women beat Real Sociedad 5-2 with two goals from Lika Martins, another two from Tony Dugan, and the fifth from Aitana. They're still sitting in second place, one point behind Atletico, despite beating them weekend before last. In the Copa de la Reina round of 16, the first leg was on Sunday, and they beat Real Sociedad again in a 2-0 win this time with goals from Alexia and Tony Dugan. The women's next game will be a week from Sunday in the Liga Iberdrola against UDG Tenerife, who are currently in sixth place. After the break, we break down the draw at the Wanda Metropolitano. All right, we're back. And Gabriel, what's going on in Madrid? Real Madrid lost 3 nothing to Avar over the weekend and I I only saw the highlights but with each with each goal in the highlight I got a little giddier and giddier but I thought you were, I thought uh Madrid was fixed so did I I thought you know Solari was the you know the answer to all their prayers and everything the second I thought coming the new, of Zidane exactly the new the new Zidane you know the Argentine Zidane and it was funny because yesterday at the Thanksgiving lunch I was at my friend Luis who did one of our segments in the Camp Nou special. He's more of a, I would say, Barca diehard fan than I am. Like he will leave the party early to go watch the match, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. He'll be like I don't care about the party or the food. I'm going to watch the match. Whereas I'm a little bit more flexible, right? So I'm, I'll stay for the party and I'll watch the match either later or the next day. But anyway – uh, he was giving me the updates about this match. He was just like, Ibar one. I was like, what? And then Ibar two. We're just, we were just <laughs> laughing, right? So, And I just watched the sports segment. And it's funny because, you know, Sergio Ramos is saying that it's an attitude problem. And Solari was saying it's not an attitude problem. So there's already problems in paradise. I love it. It's a it. Sergio Ramos problem? <laughs> it's a Sergio Ramos doping problem is what it is. <laughs> I don't know if you heard. There was a... Uh, article that came out that said Ronaldo and Ramos were linked to a doping 
uh, firm here in Europe. And so now that's being investigated. So I saw that Ramos was. I didn't see Ronaldo was part of that. Yeah, Ronaldo was named in as well, but Ramos was the main guy. Oh, man. Whoops. Seems like everything's just sort of falling apart yeah, around those guys. It. Yeah, I know. I mean, our guys, like, to be honest, our guys have issues with taxes, but at least they don't have problems with doping and sexual assault <laughs> that we know of. But I have to let you know that every celebrity here in Spain has problems with taxes. It doesn't matter if you're a footballer or singer. It's just it's crazy, the tax situation here. So, But, yes, you are right. Our team does have problems, but we don't have those type of problems. Right? Is it fair to say that Spain has problems with taxes? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Because they change the laws every six weeks. and Well, it's not only that, but you also have to pay every month. Wow. Right? Yeah. So, like, you know, in the States, you can, if you're a corporation, basically, not to get into tax law about this, but, you know, you can, you can, you <laughs> this can. Is, this is our new exciting podcast. Yeah, I know. You can, you can spread out. tax can, law. Yeah. You can, well, you can spread it out, right? Like, you pay on April 15th, but you can also have extensions where here you have to pay monthly. Wow. And if you don't pay two, three months, you get penalized. And obviously, you can, it's a lot more difficult to hide the money here. Right. So. Well, anyway, uh, so that was not exciting. Let's talk about <laughs> yeah. let's talk about football, and let's talk about our uh, our draw with Atletico Madrid. There's a big match coming in. You know, uh, Atletico were only one point behind us. We went to the Wanda, and uh, we got a one-one draw out of it, which is good given that Atletico scored first. But let's let's go back to the beginning. So from the lineup. Umtiti was back, and Rakitic was finally getting a rest with his uh, his red card suspension. So I was like I said, you know, I was yesterday with my friend Luis, and of course he was giving me the lineup first, and we were kind of were analyzing this, and I definitely thought that Longley was going to get the start just because of how he's been playing, and this was a big match away just to kind of ease Umtiti into maybe the next game as a sub. So that was the biggest surprise for me, and then also like I said in the bonus episode, I thought definitely we were going to go into a four four two just because without Rakitic, I thought for sure being away and how conservative Valverde is, I thought for sure we we're going to go into a four four two. And and seeing uh, Roberto at first, I definitely thought that was going to help us in the midfield with Semedo in the back as well. Again, that's really great to see Umtiti come back and also Rakitic getting the break because as you saw in this match, you know everyone likes to clamor that Rakitic doesn't do anything, but Wow. I mean, what, what was more boring? Uh, my conversation about tax law or the 75 minutes of this match, Brian? <laughs> well, the 75 minutes of the match did last 75 minutes. <laughs> but I'd still say it was your what you said about tax law. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, well, I mean, my take on especially the first half was that it wasn't boring. It was just uneventful. There were there were something like 15 fouls in the first half, but zero shots on goal. So there was a lot of tension in yeah, the game, but there just weren't any shots. And so, you know, there weren't any major events in that way. But it, I didn't find it boring. Mm. It was just uneventful. This is the thing, Brian. You know, we've kind of talked about, you know, especially coming from last year, trying to understand Valverde's tactics, his, you know, for big games, what he wants to do. And obviously he always wants to be more conservative, especially away for big matches, right? So that's what he's going to do. But again, with Atletico, they are so good at what they do. You know, they are the kings of the 4-4-2. So why are we going to try to fight them in their own style, in their own backyard with this style? I mean, it just doesn't fit us. I wanted to see either the 4-3-3 again. And this 4-4-2 wasn't really a 4-4-2. It was almost like a 4-5. And then Suarez all alone by his lonesome in the (laughs) the attacking third, hoping to get long balls and to try to get a shot on goal. I mean, you know, Valverde has to know that we are a better team and we should 
impose our style onto their style and they're going to do the same vice versa. But you can still be conservative in a 4-3-3. True. And what I found strange about the whole thing wasn't – I mean the the formation, that was one thing. I mean let's talk about Sergi and Semedo on the right side because I, on when I first saw the lineup, I was encouraged because I felt like, oh, OK, we've got Sergio Roberto in the midfield. Like he'll – you know, he can do some good stuff. He can get forward. He can do some things. Um, but it turned out that the, the strategy was more for him to back up Semedo so that we had essentially two right backs <laughs> – equaling the strength of one really good right back yeah i mean this is the thing if you look at that lineup that we had last night you know with vidal busquets artur and sergio roberto out of those four guys who scares you as an attacking kind of midfielder to take chances i mean sergio roberto a little bit a little bit yeah but you know they each have their own role essentially and none of this is really going to break anyone one-on-one to attack right so therefore Messi had to come in the whole time and come and get the ball and bring it up to Suarez right and I mean how many times did you see that Suarez would receive the ball and he would look around and there was nobody around him and he was good enough to win corner kicks which is pretty awesome to do you know considering the defense that Letico had but again it's just so tiring and there's no balance, you know, when this kind of four nation. And I like you have a good point there. It was almost like we had two right backs to fill that void that we've been having the last couple of weeks on defense. It did make Barcelona look more solid on defense, though. The few times that Atletico were getting ahead or, you know, getting forward in the first half and the opening parts of the second half, I never felt nervous because, you know, how sometimes we sort of we commit a lot of men forward and then we get a counter and it starts to look really scary and often we will luck out. But more often than not, I at least felt like I was never nervous in at least in the first half. Things of course started opening up more in the second half, but in the first half they were both, both teams were being very cagey, right? It was like watching a sparring match. No one wanted to commit too many people forward. They were both playing pretty defensively and that's exactly what made it so uneventful but it was also a really chippy first half and that's why there were so many fouls i mean it's always going to be chippy without let to go right i mean right. that's just how they play that you know they're they're i always equate them to you know a heavyweight boxer that's you know it's almost like a street fight right and so you have to find ways to not out slug them per se but just kind of out quick them right especially with our players we have good speed we're i would say we're more technical on the ball with passing and so forth so we can use that to our advantage but if we go to a four four two and we're trying to dominate that midfield like as we were trying to do and not give up opportunities. That's what happens in the first half. Yeah, it's uneventful. But at the same time, I just think there's opportunities missed by not implementing our style where we can go after the game. That's it for that. You know, like I just I get bored by that kind of style, especially when we just knock it around and there's no game. Because, you know, the idea we want to score goals as more, you know, I know it's maybe I'm not saying it always has to be aesthetically like the most pleasing thing, but I also want to go after it a little bit and be. Uh, especially away at Atletico when this game has a lot of, you know, three points is three points huge right now right. in the table. Yeah. Now, what did you think of Valverde's substitutions? I mean, what's he, what's he doing, Brian? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I, it's so confusing to me because, you know, he, like I was saying to you before, this whole two weeks, the Spanish media have been bombarding Dembele, right, for what he does or doesn't do and, and so forth. But as you see, he's super important. And when Atletico scores that goal, he throws in Malcolm and Dembele as kind of a last resort type of thing. I mean, it worked out that we were able to save 
the the game and get the point. But at the same time, there's just it always seems it's just more luck than him trying to analyze it. For example, why didn't he put Dembele at halftime? Don't you think Dembele would have made a huge difference having more balance, especially with the Sergio Roberto injury, right? Using that opportunity to maybe put a player or Malcolm or Dembele that's a little bit more attacking to give us more balance up top. But no, he put another midfielder. He had two weeks to prepare, and this is what he came up with. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. Well, this is, I think, a recurring pattern with Valverde, which is that he wants to stick to his original plan. And clearly his original plan was a four four two, which, you know, by necessity wound up being, like you, like you said, more of a four five one. But he wanted to really maintain that four four two. So that's why he put Rafinha in for Sergio Roberto rather than changing things up at the second half. It's only once we get scored on or mm-hmm. – I think he would have been happy to maintain a 4-4-2 and a scoreless draw. He would have been perfectly happy to do that. But since Atletico scored, then he felt like, okay, now we have to do something different. So it's almost like he's waiting for his hand to be forced. That's that's him. That's his thinking. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, but again, we have the players and the talent to impose our will on these teams. I mean, again, we are not Hitafe. No. <laughs> you know, this is, the, this is the thing, you know, we have really great players on the bench to change the game. And that is what we're trying to do, especially at this batch. Like you can honestly see that, uh, you know, Atletico is trying to be conservative as well. They're defending. That's their style. Like there's no they won't do anything different. You know, they've been doing this under Simeone for so many years, but we can do a lot of things, a lot of flexibility and still maintain a, a good defensive line and also have some opportunities for Suarez and have some help with them. You know, the thing is, if we don't take any shots on goal, we're not going to score any goals. I mean, as simple as that. Right. That's uh, that's basic logic. Science. You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. <laughs> as as the great Gretzky once said. <laughs> that's a good point. Or, Thank you, Gretzky. It's it's attributed to him. I don't know if he's the one who coined it. But anyway, uh, going back. So second half. Right. Uh, Sergio Roberto had to come out with an injury. It looks as though uh, you heard the report that he's going to be out three to four weeks. That is correct. Another hamstring issue as well. Yeah. So just like those creamy hamstrings. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on over there. So then Valverde puts Rafinha in for Sergio Roberto, another midfielder. And the second half starts off very similar to the first half, but things start to open up and Atletico especially starts to push a little bit more. They didn't have a single corner kick during the entire first half, even though Barcelona had, I believe, four in the first half. Then they finally get a corner kick and Diego Costa scores in the 77th minute. He, this is his first goal of the season for Atletico. You know, of course, after six months of not scoring, he scores against us. Right. That, that, was, my, that was my initial reaction. I was watching this at this bar with some friends and, and they were making fun of me because there were so many Atletico fans and I was the only Barca fan basically essentially here. And my friends were just pointing out, they're like, look how serious you are. Look at Diego Costa. He's so good. And I said, stop talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but again, there's just a couple of things with this play, you know, uh, Rafinha got stuck defending Diego Costa, obviously a huge height advantage, you know, looking at the replay, maybe Ter Stegen could have done better, but as I had here and watched a couple of replays, it looked like a changeup, you know, like in baseball, where I think Ter Stegen thought the ball was going to come off faster and harder, and it kind of delayed his reaction because it was coming slower and not as hard, right? So uh, Ter Stegen kind of made a flail attempt out of it. But again, 
Atletico, this is their this is their mo, man. It's it's tough defense and set plays all day, all night. They, that's what they do. And obviously, when they play uh, teams that are not as good, talented than with them, they can definitely score in the open field. But set plays. Ever since Cholo Simeone has been the manager, that is what they've been focused on. And again, on corners, like I said, they are the type of team that throw elbows all around. They make it so difficult to defend, and it was a really good play. And as soon as I saw Dio Costa getting open there, I said, oh, God, that's trouble. And he was able to convert and finally get out of that uh, goal drought that he's been in. Right. So then Atletico goes ahead, and now now Valverde's hand is pushed, right? Now he decides, I'm going to shake things up. In the interim, Rafinha takes an injury. <laughs> so now he's injured as well, hurt his, uh, hurt his ACL apparently, but he did keep playing. This poor guy, you know, he, I mean, it comes out that he just tore his ACL, you uh, know, which is incredible, it. right? He tore his ACL. So he's going to be out for at least six to eight months now. You know, like I said, those Alcantara ligaments, man, they don't, there's something lacking in their ligaments, collagen. I don't, I have no idea, but, um, and he was able to finish the match, which was pretty incredible. So we were basically playing a man down because he was hurt, you know, for, I mean, this is a legitimate injury. And again, I just feel that Valverde looks at the bench. He's like, oh, who we got? Uh, 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 Malcolm, put Malcolm, get in there. And he just like <laughs> throws him in there. He's like, oh yeah, we have Dembele. Oh, uh, Dembele, come in. And he just throws him in. <laughs> And it just happened to be luck more than strategy or tactical thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because he, he put them in with like five minutes left. And as I told you before, Brian, it's super difficult to become a sub. And Dembele's done this all year. He's come as a sub. He saved us in five matches already with late game winners. And again, he did it again. And I mean, again, Brian, I can't stress this enough. Is it coincidence that we have balance when Dembele comes that it's difficult to defend because you saw the pass that Messi gave to Dembele, which was amazing. He was able to put his little toe right through those two defenders and Dembele was wide open because why? Because Dembele was occupying the right space that wasn't being occupied all game long. And of course, Dembele was cold blooded with that little pump fake shot. And he went right through all blacks feet or legs. And of course was able to tie the match. And I don't know what to say, Brian. I mean, we need him. I mean, we definitely need him going forward. Yeah. And, you know, there were other times earlier on, like in the first half when Sergio Roberto was still okay, where there was all this space out on the right-hand side. And he could have, like, Sergi could have run into that space. And there was some, you know, maybe Messi with the ball. He could have put it out there, but he wasn't making any runs. No one was making any runs into that space. And I got really, I was getting really frustrated. But, of course, I understand that it's because Valverde's strategy you know, his instructions to the team were not to do that. And that probably to Sergi in particular was to, you know, don't be a hero. <laughs> Make sure your first job is to rotate the ball in midfield and cover Semedo on defense. That's it. But I, there was one moment in particular where I was just like, oh, come on, Sergi, just run into that. Run into it. But he wouldn't. And that's OK, because he was following. He was he was just following orders. I, I understand that. I totally understand. And the other thing, too, is because, you know, this isn't your typical 4-4-2, right? You know, as we look across the way, Atletico plays a typical 4-4-2. They have a striker matchup, Griezmann and Costa. And both of those players don't come in as deep as Messi to receive it. And that's part of the problem, right? Messi comes in so deep, Suarez is all by himself. Now, if you had a true 4-4-2, then you wouldn't need Sergio Roberto to overlap and occupy those spaces all the time because then you would have a true two striker up there to, to hold the point. But with Messi, because we need him to play make, we need him to assist. He has to come in and poor Suarez is all by himself, but more to the point, you know, 
I have a question for you. Do you think Valverde's favorite color is gray? <laughs> Could be. Maybe beige. Maybe creamy beige. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, you know, he's like, especially with the amount of time he had to set up this, you know, the tactics, the formation, the strategy for this, and to come out with this, it's like, you know, it's almost like a chef, you know, having three days to prepare a meal, and it's just, you know, porridge. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, well – Luckily, Dembele showed his quality again. And also, I want to say not only was Messi's pass on that play amazing, but Dembele's hesitation before he made his finish was, you know what that was? Primo football. It was. Hashtag it. (laughs) (laughs) Messi tries to fire it down. Keeps it alive. Dembele. Second touch is pure brilliance. It was primo football because normally anyone else would have just shot it first time exactly. from that get-go. And then, the, you know, maybe playing FIFA, he was able to develop that move. But, I mean, again, you think about all the game winners he scored for us this season coming off the bench like that. And, again, Brian, there's no coincidence that when he comes off the bench, we switch the formation. He occupies that space, and automatically we have more open opportunities. And that's because the defense doesn't know where to focus because Messi – occupies so much and all of a sudden they look and there's oh my god there's Dembele who's got crazy ass speed goal you know (laughs) and he's got sick dance moves he does and he's got great finishing and he's really good at Fortnite yeah (laughs) now also I did I also thought that Malcolm injected a lot of energy into the in the attack he wasn't really involved in Dembele's goal but as soon as he came on there was just a lot more intensity. He was running hard. He was coming back. He was pickpocketing. He was, you know, creating counterattacks. He was putting a lot of energy that uh, was not on the field before him. As soon as we started chasing the match, that's what ha- exactly happened, right? We needed Malcolm to create that energy. We started getting more counter opportunities. And I had a good feeling that because, you know, that proverbial switch came on that we were chasing the match, that we definitely had a good opportunities to tie the match. And that's what happened. And like you said, Malcolm... Like I said, I want to go to a 4-3-3 just especially if Coutinho's injured. Let's put Malcolm Suarez and Messi or, you know, Dembele Suarez and Messi or some sort of combination like that because you can see with Malcolm's energy that he wants to prove to Valverde that he wants to play, how good he was pressing when we didn't have the ball. And that really made a big difference at the end of the match. Yeah, because if if you aren't getting the attacking opportunities that you want and you're a forward, you know, you can always get some good favor from the manager by coming back and helping to defend and, you know, uh, putting pressure on the uh, other team and trying to at least win the ball back and showing that you're out there to work hard. In the post-press conference, uh, when he was asked about Dembele, Valverde basically said it's up to Dembele Mm. to get more playing time. So because obviously Valverde has seen the quality Dembele has, but Dembele has to put in the time. He has to come in on to training on time, get that watch, you know? Yeah, he can't be a diva. Can't be a diva. You know, limit the fortnight, maybe play six hours as opposed to eight hours, you know, get some sleep. Because as we've seen, you know, not only is he a game changer coming off the bench, but we can really use him going forward. Obviously, we spent so much money on him. You can see the talent. Now, I know we've been frustrated with sometimes how many times he loses the ball. But I mean, how many important goals he scored this season He's been incredible. And you can just see it didn't phase him in the second half, right? He comes in. He could have just 
not done anything, right? He could have, you know, pouted and just kind of, you know, passed the ball, but no, he scored. And you can also see the way the players reacted to as well. So they know he's super important to this campaign. And I really, really hope he kind of changes that tune and is able to become a better professional faster and able to help our team. Man. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with him. But if this is true, that he's just spending hours upon hours playing Fortnite and, you know, he's not showing up to training on time and he's clearly not focused entirely on his job and he can still do that. Can you imagine what would happen if he were to become more fully committed to his profession? How like, I mean, he could be the next greatest player of all time if he would just, you know, devote a little bit more time to it. I mean, this is always the thing, right? When you're super talented, it comes super easy. And so you don't have to work hard, right? I mean, I always think of uh, Carlos Puyol, right? He was really good. But when I think of him, it's not talent. It was his grittiness, his hard work, his professionalism, you know, basically bringing the lunch pail every day to practice and that type of attitude. And that's how he had to become a professional. But with Dembele, he has such natural talent. You can see, you know, he went to the France national team. He had fun, comes back, he's playing Fortnite. He thinks... You know, he's got this whole career lined up, but, you know, in the back rooms, I know, I've been hearing and seeing, you know, that the board is really upset with what he's doing, especially for how much they paid. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Right. Yeah. And it just makes me, well, it's, it's one of the situations because, you know, I encounter this in, in my uh, normal life as a, <laughs> as a musician, you see this a lot with musicians too, you know, people who are, they have natural talent. And they don't do the work to get to that next level. And, you know, he's he's on a squad with a guy who's the perfect example of of what to do with your natural talent, which is to nurture it, to work hard at it. And you'll be the best of all time so that people will one day when you retire, name trophies after you. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you know, the best case as we I, I always look to this is Ronaldinho. You know, Ronaldinho had all this talent. When he came to Barcelona, he was on fire, but he still had to work because that talent was starting to go away and he didn't. He just kept continuing to party and we saw Pep just got rid of him like nothing. Yeah. And, you know, his career dwindled after that because he always was trying to rely on his talent. So I really, you know, Dembele is still super young. You know, he's only 21 years old. So he's still, hopefully, you know, someone can shake the shit out of him or something just to wake him up, you know, just to get him on time, you know, because, you know, if it is, you know, at least it's just video games, Brian, if it was partying and like, you know, going to the clubs and stuff, I think that could be a a bigger problem. Yeah, exactly. Because that's definitely harder to change. But the fact that he's at home just playing kind of video games, I mean, that's the rumors that are coming out then that's an easier kind of behavior to tame, right? And I think it's just a matter of maybe he has to carpool with one of the players to get him to, <laughs> you know, foster that relationship. Maybe Utiti needs to take care of him or something. Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's really is all up to him. I mean, essentially, I, I, I'm just going to say, like, in my life, I think that unrealized potential has always been sort of the uh, the hallmark of my life because – I like had certain talents or certain, you know, proclivities, things I was good at, but that I didn't really work hard at them. And now look at me. <laughs> I'm in I'm in wood panel world in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> and like I'm doing okay. I'm just saying, like, I'm not I never could have it's not like I ever could have been like a rock star or anything, but you know, it's just it's it's up to you. And you know, there's a saying in education, right, which is when the teacher is ready. Or sorry, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. But oh, that's a good that's a good saying. But the like teacher that. has always been there. It's just that if the student isn't ready, they don't see them. 
they don't see what's yeah. available to them. So it's it, it really is all up to him. You know, if if he if he becomes ready while he's still at Barcelona, then he's going to see all of the resources that are available to him and all the opportunity that really lays before him. It could just be that he's happy to just do what he's doing now. And that, that's a good point. If he never changes his point. mind, then he'll have a perfectly mediocre career. And maybe it's not important to him to be, you know, the Roy Hobbs of football. Ooh, that's I, wow. I, you know, that's the other thing too, right? I mean, because we're always thinking that they want to be the best, and maybe he's just perfectly content of what he's doing. You know, he's financially secure, yeah, helping his family, playing football, and of course, you know, Fortnite champion, baby. Yeah. Whereas you know, Messi clearly has always wanted to be the best there ever was. And he is. <laughs> and he is. And done. <laughs> yeah. Now this – okay, so going back to this game, we went – well, we got kind of philosophical there for a minute. But coming back to this game and the results. So the draw, this this kept us in first place for the moment. Uh, but Atletico remains just one point behind. Alaves are within three points. They're having an incredible season. And by mm-hmm. the time this episode is out, it's possible that Sevilla might actually be at the top of the league. Uh, so it's a very tight league right now. But on the upside, Real Madrid are in sixth place, though they're still only five points behind Barcelona. That's that's a good point. And the other thing, too, is, you know, like we said, if if I would have told you Thursday we would have got a 1-1 result at the Wanda, we would have been thrilled, right? I guess it's just a double-edged sword, right? We want to just – we can see the potential of our attacking and that we can get these points and to kind of – just get the one point how we did it. So again, like you said, it's a tight race. Um, at the time of recording right now, Sevilla is up at halftime, one nothing. Uh huh. So we could actually wind up in second place. And you know, going back to this match, you know, uh, like you say, we we do have all of these attacking options. We do have all of this strength that we could bring into the attack, and maybe we could have scored early. We could have scored in the first half, but at the same time, there were a number of counterattacks that Atletico had in this match in the first half that we broke up because we were so defensive because Sergio Roberto was backing up Samedo on the right back side of things. Had we been more attacking, it's entirely possible that it could have been a higher scoring game. I think we still would have managed a draw somehow because we just, we do have that in us, which is good. That's how we can eke out wins or draws at least. But, uh, you know, thinking to moments in the first half, we could have been behind way earlier. That's a good point. That's a good point. And, you know, I just want to see Suarez with another partner up there. You know, that's the thing just to, especially against Atletico, because Suarez is really tough on defenders. And just to see someone else paired up with him, I think would have made a big difference. Just one other person, you know. But like you said, you know, I I know that Valverde is really trying to be super defensive, especially since we've allowed so many goals this season, more than the last five years or something like that so far. And I get that. And I just think that we just have too much talent to be so conservative. That's my that's my biggest my biggest gripe, I guess. Yeah. Can you imagine if we played more with the Real Betis style, but with our oh players? Do you imagine how many goals we goals we'd score? <laughs> and we would still have control of the midfield. That's the thing, you know. I mean, yeah, that would be fun to play. Yeah, it would be fun to play. Wow. <laughs> I was yeah. wish we, he would do that just like against PSV for, or something, you know, because well, like, yeah, we try it out because that's what's happening on Wednesday, right? Is PSV. We could very well clinch our group. And I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to try and clinch it one game ahead so that we can just have fun against Tottenham, for example. But it would, but they're not the strongest team either. And I know we're going to be on the road against PSV, but it might be kind of fun to just throw a bunch of attackers in there just start off with 
Messi, Suarez, D- Dembele, Malcolm. <laughs> Ar- yeah, that's a good point. You know, give Busquets I, a rest. Just play Arthur. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, why not? Right? Why not? But that's not going to happen. You know, that's not going to happen. So yeah. um, that'll be interesting to see on Wednesday. And we're back into the you know to the to the games again. You know, midweek weekend, midweek weekend. So. Uh, you know, I really hope Alberte uses the bench a little bit more and we'll see what comes out of these next games. We still we we need to get some more wins in La Liga just to kind of get some separation, get some momentum back again. You know, because we did awesome when Messi was gone and we kind of lost that again. And we kind of we have to kind of recapture that spirit of just getting maybe two or three wins again to maybe separate us a little bit more from the rest of the group. Yeah, well, that is still a problem, right? The dependence on Messi, but it's not what people thought it was. It's not that we're too dependent on Messi being there. We're too dependent when Messi is there. Mm, yeah. Right? When he's gone, we have the players to step up. But when he's there, that's when that's, – that's where Valverde is, I think, if anything – if he's failing at all as a manager, it's helping the rest of the team understand how to play around Messi. Yeah. Or I – mean, that's, that's and like, that could even be as simple as like don't worry about him. He'll yeah. he'll be there. <laughs> yeah. You just worry about this and this and this. Don't worry about him. He'll take care of things. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, that's the thing, right? Because as we saw in this match last night, he's all over the place, right? He's he's the he's the one player that's allowed free reign and no discipline on anything because he's so good. He's already taking he already knows, right? He can backtrack off defense and do those things. But other other players that did that, you know, they wouldn't be be playing. They would leave defensive liabilities all over and all these types. So we have to, like you said, they have to learn how to play even more. But again, I just think we just need a little bit more help up there for Suarez as well. So that, because you know that Messi is kind of like that hybrid midfield attacking player. So you, I don't know, Brian, we will or two, three, one. Yeah. Uh. Well, just, just to illustrate the point I was just making, there was one play in particular where, you know, I love Sergio Roberto, you know, he's like my favorite younger player, right? Huge crush on him with his blue eyes. I love Sergio Roberto, but there was this one play where Sergi could have taken the ball forward. He could have done something more dynamic with the ball, but instead what he kept doing over and over and over again was passing the ball to Messi. Even when Messi would check the ball back to him, he still was obsessed with just get it to Messi, get it to Messi, get it to Messi. And he didn't, he didn't take ownership over his own agency in that moment. He kept wanting to like put it off on Messi. And I think that that is at times a problem with this team is that you got too many players who are saying Messi will take care of it. Yeah, that's a good point. And the other thing too is you don't want to upset Messi either. Right. So that's, <laughs> that's the other thing, right? You don't want to not give him the ball, but again, I just think it just really all comes down to the balance and how we're going to, you know, when you look at the field, how you want to do it. And again, it's difficult because if you sacrifice the midfield, Suarez is up there by himself, right? If we put more people up front, we sacrifice the midfield on defensive um, responsibility. So it's the yin and the yang of that. I get that. I just think that, you know, we have enough talent that we can always win 2-1 or 3-2. So I'd rather kind of see that match than a one nothing match, slugging it out, losing players to injury. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, type, that type of match. So. For sure. Special thanks to Max Bluer this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. Remember, we can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca.
Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.